When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch Up, a handy summary of the week's news from Sixfields. Can't be asked to keep up with the latest goings on at Cobblers or just like a Northampton Town Natter. Don't worry, we've got you covered. I'm Tom Reed, and tonight I'm joined again by Martin Maloney, James Avril, and Max Miller. Like, let's start with Saturday's 3 0 win at Sixfields over Rochdale. I sort of got to my seat, and Rochdale were just carving us apart for about 10 minutes, but turned into a regulation win for the Cobblers in the end. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if, it, if it's almost becoming a theme. But Rochdale, um, they appointed Jim Bentley a few weeks ago. They tightened up at the back, but they were they were very, very good going forward. And they were at us for the first 10, 15, I kind of had in my head. But Tyler Mawa, or, or and we'll, I'll probably never agree with myself on this, I don't know what else, how to say his name, was immense. And we defended really manfully. And it was like, oh, a bit like Barrow, a bit like a couple of games. It was like, oh, are we, you know, are we getting found out? But after we weathered it, really, really comfortable. Comical goal. Um, absolutely comical from Guthrie. The um, the moaning at the ref, whinging, and then just, oh, right, okay, whatever. Oh, I'll just take it down and we right, and then bunker volley in the top corner, we left. I mean, that that was good enough. And then, again, sec- second half, I thought we were, we were much better. Only one side in it. Um, and you're thinking, well, Hoskins had a bit of a quiet game, which, to be fair, if anyone's had a quiet game, it's him. Yeah. And then he pops up with two at the end, including you're following up, following up your own penalty, you know, rather than sulking. Yeah. Little head up. And then the, I mean, Fox, who we didn't think we'd see all season, when he came on, it was like, I thought we were comfortable at 1 0, but at 1 0, you're always like, you know, we've all been to enough away games where, you can be you can be dominated, but you're you're, you're only losing one nil. You win with a shout. Yeah. Ben Fox came on, uh, won the penalty. Was you know some neat, nice interplay down the right, and uh, then the cross again, same position, and lovely finish. Hoskins. It's suddenly, I'm like, yeah, I think you know we're not just being a bit lucky. We're looking a proper good team. Like we we were a bit below par and we won it comfortably against the side who well on the up. And you look at some of the if I want some of the rubbish down there at like Hartlepool, they'll be well clear of that. Day. They played some good football in places, especially in that first ten minutes, but it was just a comfortable win in the end. And we just seem to be getting into that zone whereby we can defeat teams a, a, a cancer. I don't want to where I count my chickens all. God knows what happened against Stockport, but yeah, it just it was sort of a just, quite a comfortable one. We can sort of just turn up and be us, yeah, and it will be fine. 
Yeah. And that's that's a pretty good baseline. And then, you know, you can build on it from that. Exactly. Let's go over some of the goals or all of the goals. James, the first one, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I think I've missed two goals in successive weeks, I'm pretty sure, because I'm at the bar. And this one came on 42 minutes. And um, my mate came on the call and said, oh, we just missed the goal of the season. Blah, 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 this, this volley. So, James, from what I've, yeah, I've seen it on that video, but describe the goal for me of Guthrie. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so Don't tell me really, you missed it as well. James. No, no, I, I didn't miss it. I, I, I was, uh, I was, I was firmly in the seat. Although I have to confess, it had been up until the goal, it had been possibly one of the most boring games I'd ever seen. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, to the extent, I think the highlight was when the ball came uh, into the north stand. It kind of like uh, went back down towards, you know, right at the bottom, the, you know, along where you walk yeah. and there was two little kids that got to the match ball at the same time and proceeded to it it was like a heavyweight bout as to who got to uh throw the ball back to the goalkeeper uh that was the most entertaining part of the uh of the game up until that point but um i mean frankly it should have been a free kick shouldn't it it's so mm. many ways we have to thank the referee's incompetence on that particular occasion for somehow not giving the free kick if I'm going to be kind, maybe he was trying to play an advantage. I couldn't see it really, but it was a blatant, you know, there was two two guys holding him down. And then, yeah, I mean, just a, a real good goal out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, Guthrie up and running on, on you know, the, the Wimbledon game at the weekend. He's He's got the taste for goals again and uh, he can go on little runs of, of, of scoring, can't he? You know, he did it at the uh, start of last season and... Um, yeah, he's got two in 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 three games now. So um, yeah, yeah, really really great finish. Not not one you would expect your centre back to be scoring. Uh, to to be honest, um, something you'd be expecting from the likes of Danny Hilton or or you know Mitch Pinnock or something. A real quality goal that is going to be up there uh, at the end of the season in those uh, in that goal of the season vote. Sure, yeah, and it was it seemed like a well placed finish as well. He didn't just lash it. It seemed to be like just perfectly. Hit and when we do our prediction thing on Wallach every week, first goal scorer. I know we laughed last week, but I think own goals are the second highest scorer. But I always put Guthrie in there because I think after Hoskins and without Epia playing any sort of minutes, so I always think that Guthrie's a, a good shout either from you know a header, not necessarily on the, with his feet, but it was just a, a brilliant finish looking back on it and just set us up nicely for half time. The game, Rochdale really ran out of steam, mostly in the second half. And I think their fans are quite upset with that. But we controlled the game pretty well. And we talked about Fox. He was a really welcome re-addition, considering we thought he was going to be out for a long time. So we just, yeah, we did pretty well in the second half, dominated the game. And then the second goal came via Hoskins, obviously, a penalty. Max, um, Penny itself... I think Fox actually got the penalty. He was failed in the box and then Hoskins yeah, stepped up. Pretty weak penalty down the middle. If he'd have missed that, he'd have got a little bit of stick, but just good awareness to head home from the rebound, Max. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the, the one thing I want to mention is, you know, it, it's very easy uh, for players who have, uh, you know, the whole, who get the, the player of the month to then get the curse, if that makes sense. There's always a bit of a, a stigma around getting player of the month where they'll go and, you know, perhaps not score for the month. Yeah. So it's nice to see Hoskins get two, uh, but the penalty, you know, he's really, I don't know what it is about. I mean, we've discussed this a couple of times. I don't know what it is about him this season. He just looks like he's in, 
he's, he's in real goal scoring form. Um, like I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Tom, he's worked on his finishing and that's showing. He's really getting into the, the, the areas where you need to be clinical and he's absolutely yeah. lethal at the minute. Yeah. I mean, is, is he League Two's top scorer now or is he joint top scorer? Because I think it's Bradford's Andy Cook, I think, is behind. But I don't know how many uh, by. I think I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Hoskins on 10, Cook's on 9. I mean, to be fair, with Hoskins' season, I've not been looking at League Two. I'm looking at Europe. Yeah, the graphic was basically, is it um, goals per game in the top five leagues and the EFL? And um, there's some... He's basically being flanked by Mbappe, <laughs> Neymar, Neymar yeah. Messi, Hall, and Hall, I think only Holland uh, <laughs> and Mbappe were better. Man. My only fear with this Hoskins mania, that's just, I'm just calling it that, it's not been called that before, let's call it Hoskins mania, is that if he does drop off, the, you know, the come down is going to be quite bad for me if his form drops off for any reason. Hopefully it won't. Hopefully he'll keep it going. And he scored a third, well, the Cobblers third. And that was... I think that was good positioning going back to what Max said. You know, sometimes you just need to be ghosting around the box and finding yourself in that good position. And uh, it's good ball in from Fox and Hoskins essentially lived up to the creator's name and Fox in the box and uh, an instinctive finish from close range, Martin. It just felt that was a nice uh, rounding off of the game. Hoskins got two and a clean sheet for the Cobbles. Oh, uh, I mean, the clean sheets of the last two games are absolutely brilliant because Bird just served them and, and we defended better. And I think I think the goal, um, someone on Twitter mentioned, and I apologise for forgetting who it was, almost a car. It didn't. It's not quite a carbon copy because it's across a different foot, but from the same side of the um, Danny Haynes goal in the last minute against um, Colchester. But I do think when when a player's on fire. And Hoskins mania isn't going to hit it for me. Maybe Hoskinio would. Um, but when a player's on fire, when you just fancy yourself score a goal, and I'll say this, someone scored 12 goals one season for Club 81. So I, know, I know a thing or two. <laughs> I reckon when you really fancy yourself, you're just maybe gambling yeah. on, this is going to, uh, rather than this might happen, you think this is going to happen, yeah, and Fox's cross was great. Left everybody out, he, and I, I definitely think the highlights he, in real time is hard to see. He's looked up and he's seen. Yeah, leave Maul out, and there's a guy running around the back. And when that, you know, guys, a guy who is convinced can get on the end of it, you've got to catch lightning in a bottle sometimes. You know, I, I often say it, but Ricky Holmes, he's get a guy having the season of his life, and we'll have better memories for him than any other club. Yeah, Oskino, same thing. And he's Hoskinho, anyone can put a better name. <laughs> yeah, a, an, 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 an unconfident um, Hoskins wouldn't be in that position, would he? He'd be just, it, you sometimes, yeah, like you say, you back yourself to get in those positions. If it doesn't work out, when you're confident, it doesn't really matter. So he uh, finished nicely and it was well positioned in the end. Yeah, as we said, a comfortable win in the end. Man of the match, I'll go to you on this one, Max, because you're a fan, aren't you? Uh, Mark Leonard conclusively again man of the match he's just um just showing that little bit of upper level ability at the moment isn't he yeah absolutely i mean it's it i don't know how to explain it but it's almost like the fact you can almost tell you know he's come through a premier league academy uh you know well he's i say he's come through a premier league academy it's not entirely true he's come from hearts uh hearts to brighton that type of way so you can kind of tell he's got 
he's had quite a few influences of you know management styles and it's almost like he's almost like the perfect all-rounder he does the hard graft he loves the ball he oh, mate i hate to say it but i think we're falling in love with the lone player again that's enough Mark Leonard uh, love now because he's getting far too much love. Um, Brendan was on the BBC Northampton show the other, the other week giving him too much love. I'm just going to say he's totally overrated and uh, yeah, he's rubbish just to balance out a bit, but we both we all know he's not. Uh, let's move on. Let's to... all share that and hopefully Brighton will hear it and say, oh yeah, we don't need to worry about him. Either that or we um, we crowdfund his permanent transfer. I reckon yeah, a couple of hundred grand will do it. We'll have to yeah, have a look at a few banks or something. Right. So let's move on to another bit of news. Slightly more alarm- alarming, actually. Just came out on social media from Football League World. You know, we sometimes these things are just complete rumours. Sometimes there's a bit more weight to it. But um, Football League World treated... We understand Northampton boss John Brady is under consideration for the vacant Huddersfield town manager's job, and they called it an exclusive. Uh, sources have exclusively revealed to Football League World that John Brady is in the reckoning for the vacant Huddersfield town manager's job. Now, um, James, you covered Cobblers quite a long time for the Heldon Post. You heard rumours, you heard this, you heard, you heard that. Um, what do you make of that? For me, it does. it wouldn't even seem like a good fit Brady going to Huddersfield now and his this point in his career. What about you? I, I would agree with that. You, you get a sense of, for example, I think back to Colin Calderwood, and you knew when Nottingham Forest came calling, or you knew when that kind of job came up there that he was going to be a serious candidate for that. Yeah, there's something about this one. It just doesn't feel. It doesn't. It doesn't fit. I, I think. I get the impression, you know, Huddersfield have obviously just uh, promoted, I think, from within, haven't they? With is it Danny Schofield, their manager? So they've just themselves gone down kind of the, the route that we've done, which is, you know, promoting from within, from, you know, from the youth team. I think he had a spell as um, as the first team coach as as, as well. Uh, the position they're in, I, I get the impression they would probably go for someone with a bit with, with experience um, at, at this point. That's not to say that John doesn't have that. Uh, he, he does, but in terms of football league experience, it's yeah. you know it's it's a season and a and a bit. And you know that's not underplaying the the, the fact the, the great job that John Brady has done here. You know sure. if, if you look at the job that he has done, he is worthy of being kind of linked with with jobs like this but like you said it just doesn't feel like the right fit either for for, for John or for, or for them really um for, yeah. for that matter I would be very surprised it's a Twitter rumor it's nothing more than that he may well be on the shortlist but that, that is by no means you know him you know them saying that he's going to get the job it would obviously be you know devastating if he, if he did go but I, I I can't see it and like I said that's not downplaying the job that John has done I, I just yeah like you say it just doesn't it just doesn't feel like a fit uh for for either party really sure that makes a lot of sense to me and i don't think we should completely dismiss rumors because they're quite fun to an extent and sometimes rumors do you know have some sort of credence and you know things change really quickly in football maybe with the cold war thing maybe swansea did have an interest in it it just didn't didn't work out but max we had a tweet from mark josiah um and mark josiah sort of made an additional point that the club should be trying to get John Brady and Colin Caldwell on new contracts anyway. Um, it's best management team we've had since Wilder and Neil. There's a real connection between our current management team and supporters. I'm just reading this tweet and it would be a travesty to lose that. Are you of a mind that even if this in- alleged interest from Huddersfield isn't true, that we need to be looking to tie them two down as we've tied down some players like Sean McWilliams? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, it, you, it, it's it's all a part of like his philosophy, uh, you know, and not that he has to. You have to have uh, a strong dressing room, and I always believe that starts from the top up. Um, yeah. you, you've got to have the two the two key men who are you know part of the project, part of the philosophy. But the minute they go, it, it all falls apart. And we've seen that before, where we get into a good position, get a decent manager in, and then it all just falls apart. You know, I'm, I'm hoping the fact that with the Cobblers have started to turn a corner a bit, like you said, with Sean Williams tying down a new deal and John Guthrie uh, uh, tying a new deal, that captain's curse is now gone, uh, thankfully. Um, so it, I'm hoping that not only John and Colin hopefully now start signing new deals and that other players will now see, right, OK, John staying, Sean staying, I want to be a part of this team. Um, let's let's try and kick on. But absolutely, you have to. We have to start talking with them now. Otherwise, they they might leave. I think they're contract up at the end of the season. Um, you, you, you've got to start doing it now. I've just been looking, and I can't see that they announced how long his contract was when we appointed him. I'm literally just looking at the appointment article now, and there's no mention yeah. of it. So sometimes you know, I don't know how long the uh, contract is. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe a managerial contract is not quite as um decisive as a, a player's one because often they have discussion discussions ongoing and it will just be sort of taken as and you know on a on their word that they're going to sign and stuff like that but it's just um yeah it's an interesting one and i, I think they, they tend have... to be tend to be rolling don't they it yeah rolling like yeah rolling control yeah. if if you sack me you get six i'll get six months money if i leave you'll get six six months money yeah but i think I think with the important thing with John Brady to Huddersfield, if that you know if that has got any credence to it, or you know if any other club comes into it at that level, especially, is that he's got a tremendous amount of leeway and love from Cobbler supporters because he's just worked his way up through our youth system. And for instance, if he goes to Huddersfield, he'd essentially just be an obscure Australian, really, and they just wouldn't have that link. Um, then you've got the relationship with Colin Calderwood, and what would happen, for instance, if they both go to Huddersfield? And then Colin Calderwood gets another job, gets a call from Swansea or whoever else to leave. And then Brady's out on his own in a club where the fans really don't know him. It's a bit of a, a leap into the dark if he ever did it. And um, he's got loads of things in his favourite cobblers. He's got that transfer committee that produced him some really good players that are playing above themselves. Would he have that at Huddersfield? Huddersfield are also in the relegation zone, so that's going to be a huge load of pressure. Um, and... Essentially, Huddersfield, if they're in the relegation zone, they could be relegated this season. If we get promoted, we could both be in the same division next season. But, and the only difference being that he'd be with a club yeah. that's up. So that's um, that's an important thing to consider. And I think ultimately, um, if he did leave, like if he leaves for Huddersfield, for instance, in two weeks' time, no one's going to hold it against him because it's obviously a big... Everyone's going to take that step, especially in this financial environment. But... Just feels like a bit of a bad fit, as James has explained at this moment in time. So hopefully it's one of those rumours with nothing in it, and uh, and that's that, that's not saying nothing against Huddersfield as a club as well, because I think they're a really good club and they've got really loyal fans and stuff. I'm not dispatching them as a club, but I just think yeah, it's not it's not the right fit at the moment. Yeah, let's move on to a couple more little bits of news from the week. Uh, the Papa John's Trophy, the Pizza Cup. We don't really talk about it too much because I think quite a few of us are still doing the boycott, so it's not really something we want to talk about too much. But quite significant in the fact that quite a lot of Cobblers youth players got a game. More senior players like Max Dead and Fox got a game. Um, did anyone watch it on TV, by the way, on on iPlayer? No, 
Still part of the boycott. That's good. Keeping, keeping the, not crossing the picket line, guys. Brilliant. Not even watching what I'm thinking, Bob. I've read up a little bit about it. So you've got um, Tomlinson. He's a youth player. Abin Bolo's obviously in and around the team, but it's still pretty young. I can't pronounce this. Ngua. Let's just go with good little uh, attacker he played. He's pretty young. Jack Connor, I think his name is, forward, uh, cross. And then Max Deich was the captain. And um, yeah, I think the club are sort of, it's quite a, a bit of a contradiction. So the club are rightfully proud to have these young guys in. And there was a guy called Hill as well. I think, he, yeah, he played. Yeah, there's some, and O'Keefe on the bench, some younger players. So the club are completely rightly proud to have all these homegrown players in this competition and, and playing them. And it's, and it's really good. And then, obviously, you know what I'm going to say next is that these players really need to get a game in the in the senior team, in the first team in, in, in the league. But I guess, Martin, they're knocking on the door. That's the important thing, aren't they, these players now? Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I didn't watch it. Uh, you know, we've had the conversation often. I'm not boycotting it. I just can't be bothered to go into most of those games. <laughs> but it, it, from the interviews afterwards and the youth of the side they played and just absolutely a hat tip to um, Brady for um, exploiting the rules and playing Josh Eppier for 20 minutes just to mean that we'd started extra out players. I think that's brilliant. But I think it looked like it, that meant something to those players. And they did give a more experienced Cambridge side a good go. I mean, we'll often argue about, you know, how many youth players you play and, you know, are people coming through? Are they, are they going to be any good or what have you? It looks to me like there's a crop of players there that can play the men's game, that can play the grown-up game. Yeah. I'm happy after seeing that. And you could see Brady's passion about it as well, because he's obviously a former youth coach. He'd have coached a lot of those kids when they were younger. And the likes of, I think, uh, was it uh, Dylan Hill um, that played? There's a lot of been there with five. Max Dyche on captain his hometown team. I'm like, well, if you're going to use that competition for something, use it for that. That was um, that was way better. Forget the result. But, yeah, we could have beaten 3 0. I like what I saw after that game more than anything around the result. That's true. That's true. And I guess, James, we talked about it last week that you went to a youth team game, didn't you? And you saw both Ivan Tony and David Moyo in the team, uh, this youth team game where, where we won. And it just shows you that some players obviously are going to fall away, but some players can, and Ivan Tony has proved it now, go all, go all the way. So, I guess it's still that that old argument we've been having for months and years is that these guys are banging on the door, the player pathway, it's really celebrated by the club. Essentially, one of them, at least one of them has got a breakthrough to the team at some point. Max Deich, maybe, James? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those, I was surprised we uh, went with the kind of, to the extent we did with the team. I, I was expecting a few more kind of senior players than I saw actually so obviously caveat you know didn't watch the game so can't really comment on the individual performances and that when I've seen uh, Deitch and Tomlinson I've always been really impressed with those two they play like uh, seasoned professionals in in terms of their calmness and demeanour on the ball I think Um, so I think them two in particular have a really bright future I've not seen 
uh, uh, Naguar. But from all accounts, it sounded like he had a good game from from the people who who watched it. Sounds like he's got a bit of pace and and can cause problems. I think he and Jack Connor are on loan at AFC Rosenden Diamonds at the moment. Connor seems to be playing a bit more than uh, Naguar is. So I think there's obviously still going to be a little bit of work there in that, you know, he's still got to force his way into Rosenden's team from, from the sounds of it. I could be wrong on that. But um, there's definitely some promise there. Um, I mean, the, the, the disallowed goal from Liam Cross early on, I've seen the highlight of it and it looked like a great piece of work. I, yeah. for the life of me, can't work out what it was disallowed for. Was it offside? Yeah, I think it was offside. Yeah. But it, was it didn't, really look, off, it didn't really look an offside footwork. there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you say, really good footwork and a really calm finish. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to be inconsistent. You know, I, I watched the, um, I mean, we watched the Wickham game, didn't we, Max? And yes. Cross was a bit anonymous in that, to be honest. But I remember, um, I think it was my dad speaking with Ian Sampson, um, and he was raving about how good Cross can be. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think there's a player there, and we're not going to, consi- you know, we're not going to see them on a consistent basis at, at this point. But you know, if we can continue to give them minutes and give them an opportunity to kind of uh, put them in the shot window, for, you know, as, as such for a, for a starting eleven place, then or you know, regularly coming off the bench, then then all the better. I, I think they'll have learned far more from from last night, um, you know, than than you know, a kind of pre-season friendly or or, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, really good to see it happen. Like like we've talked about a million times though on on this podcast, it'd be nice to see a few of them just starting to break through into yeah. the uh, the starting line. But it's going to be difficult this year because we have quality and backup all over the pitch. Yeah. So it is going to be difficult for them this year. Um, sure. So I think we have to kind of temper that. It would be good to see uh, a couple of them get a few more minutes every now and then. Yeah, for sure. That's explained it pretty well. Couldn't put it better myself. That's more than enough talking cobblers for now. It's time to talk another type of cobblers in the form of Premier League clubs' alleged proposals to scrap FA Cup replays as part of the so-called New Deal for football. I'm joined by Jay Cave of Against League Three, and it's... One of those ones, Jay. First, we had the creation of the Premier League itself in 1992, like um, just huge audacious power grab. Then the big clubs went after the international TV money. We've got B teams in the EFL Trophy, Project Big Picture rumbling on. Where is it going to end? Thanks for having me on. As usual, said before, you know it's never it's never great when when you have me on. It's usually for some sort of bad news. Um, <laughs> where does it end? Oh, I don't know. The the the, the plans that we're talking about. Are, are, a really quite interesting, but in a sort of scary and horrific way. Um, I suppose it's worth clarifying exactly what is allegedly and supposedly on the table. You're right. We just need a little bit of context. So the context is uh, Martin Ziegler of the Times broke the news this week that scrapping FA Cup replays and radical changes to the League Cup are part of proposals being considered by Premier League clubs on Wednesday for their shareholders meeting as part of a new deal for football. That's an interesting phrase. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, he expanded to say that the calendar proposal would scrap third and fourth round FA Cup replays entirely. Sources, this is a quote from his article, sources with knowledge of the plan have told the Times um, clubs involved in European competitions would either not compete in the League Cup or would field under 21 sides. So there's uh, impact there on the League Cup and the FA Cup with regards, um, especially the FA Cup with regards replays. Um, then on Wednesday morning, an article by Simon Stone on BBC Sport gave a little bit more detail in that um, talks will also um, you know, will take place over major changes to the EFL Cup. 
uh, and the um, FA Cup as part of the New Deal for football. Neither cup is run by the Premier League, which is interesting. So it would have to approach the FA and EFL about any potential changes. Clubs allegedly are concerned by the increased strain in inverted commas and an already packed calendar that UEFA's Champions League expansion will create from 2024. FA Cup replays were scrapped in the 2021 season to help with the fixture backlog caused by COVID-19. It's quite a lot of detail there, but let's stick stick to um, FA Cup replays. It's probably the big takeaway. Jay, um, what is your your take there on, on face value, especially in terms of this fixture congestion that they talk about um, and the uh, European Cup? I'm of the personal opinion that in a way, particularly when you're talking about a Premier League team with a signed up squad of, you know, often over 100 players over the age of 16, 17. Yeah. The, the fixture congestion's a, a myth in, in, in that sort of sense. When, when you have those players available, you know, there's been replays in the FA Cup since the, when was the FA Cup started, the 1880s, 1870s, whenever it was, there's been replays since then. And I think to, to devalue it for these reasons is a real shame. It, it, it's a significant source of income that you'd be taking away. Yeah. And the one, the one example that really sprung to mind for, you know, when I, when, we talked about me coming on the podcast today and I was, I was trying to figure out what I was going to say. The, the one example that really came to mind was Burton Albion. You know, the, the, they, they got a, a really famous replay at Old Trafford that, that absolutely drove that club to, to a new level. Yeah. You know, they, they'd, they'd been languishing in, in, in non-league for, you know, for many, many years. Uh, and they've, they've established themselves as a, you know, as a perfectly respectable EFL, EFL club. And it was essentially off that one game. Yeah. Um. And it can be. It can. It can really change. You know, a cup replay can really change the progression of a club. Yeah. So I think to 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 scrap them at any level is a real shame. It's a it's a real tough one. The, the fixture congestion. I, I'm I'm not I'm not averse to the fact that that teams at all levels, not just the Premier League, teams at all levels, are in the modern day playing a lot of games. There's a lot of games of football at the minute. Yeah. You know, and 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 it is an issue. Um, but I, I, my my favoured solution is there needs to be more acceptance that you cannot play your strongest eleven every week, and that yeah. you accrue these squads to get you through this. Yeah. You know, and you've got to... no right. You've got no, you know, um, you know, right to be in um, the finals of every competition. You've got no right to be. You know, you're not. Um... Just it's a God-given thing that you're going to be progressing on all of them, you know, that, you, that, that these squads need to be utilised a lot yeah. better. And you've, you've got the privilege of taking, let's not forget, the best youth players from around the country by the Elite Player Performance Plan. Mm. And therefore, you know, it's a great opportunity to use them and um, bring your club on that way. Do you know what I mean? I find this whole idea of fixture congestion quite interesting because previously it would have just been fixtures. They wouldn't have talked about the congestion. It would have been just the way that you know the football calendar works. You don't really don't hear many lower league managers with tinier budgets. You know, a lot they suffer a lot more from injuries and stuff like that. You know, less of a huge squad. You don't hear them very often moaning about fixture congestion. And it just feels to me that it's been a bit of a buzzword that's been dripped into the media by certain managers. I won't say who. You probably know who. Um, and that it's talked about, and then it becomes a thing, and then it, and then we 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 consider fixture congestion, which is just a complete sort of abstract notion, as a, actually an actual thing, and therefore we've really got to do something about it. When if you take a, a look back, you know, take a, a wider look at it, is it that much of a problem? And I like um an account called FA Cup Fact File on Twitter, 
it's pretty good. He knows a lot about the FA Cup, obviously. And he's got a, a whole article about fixture congestion. And um, have a look at his uh, Twitter site. And I'll just read a little excerpt from what he said about the fixture congestion. Um, in fact, he tweeted, or whoever it is that runs the account, tweeted today to say... Um, uh, two things regarding the uh, alleged scrapping of FA um, Cup replays. He put, it's Premier League club owners, not clubs. That's an important distinction and should be reported like that. So we talk about clubs as a general entity when often it's driven by a board level. So that's a good point from him. And um, more importantly, FA Cup replays neither cause fixed congestion nor will their removal resolve it. Goes on to say, uh, this is in his article, I'm going to start this blog with a blindingly obvious statement that just so happens to be the elephant in the room for the likes of Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, Gary Lineker, Jim White et al. The cause of fixture congestion in English football is the Champions League and the Europa League. There, I've said it. Can I encourage you all to state it too? Not the FA Cup and its inconvenient replays, not the League Cup, its two-legged semi-final. No, it's a Japanese knotweed like European competitions that are causing the fixture pileup. But unsurprisingly, this is an inconvenient truth for those who gain financially from the bloated Champions League. So it was the FA Cup and its country cousin, the Carabao Cup, that get the blame for fixture congestion in the English game. Now, it might be slightly more complicated that, but I just think that's a good example of looking at it in a different way, in a in a in a big picture way, to use a football buzzword, that it just seems like he said, that the FA Cup bears the brunt for trying to sort out the problems of this expanded um, European league. And without that that sort of input or that that effect on English football, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? No, I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what um, Phil said. Um, and I'd say Phil, who runs FA Cup Fat File, he's a, he's a really good guy. He's a Southport fan. You know, okay, so okay. There's, there's, there's two of us. How many Southport fans does it take to change a light bulb? Both of us. Um, I, I agree with a lot of that. I don't agree with all of it, but I, I, I agree with an awful lot of it. You, you hit the nail on the head. You, you know, the complaints about fixture congestion generally come from, uh, you know, managers of, of elite level clubs or Premier League clubs. Going back to what you said you, you don't often hear of lower league managers complain of the same you, you're right you you don't you can but you but you generally you don't um and to, to, to take my own club as an example of southport so we we play we play 46 league games not 38 uh, or you know like most of the EFL i think uh, you're all 24 teams now at the minute aren't you um so 46 league games two cups and everyone just makes do. Everyone manages. Everyone sort of gets by. And part of the reason for that is the clubs need the income, so the clubs need to play matches. And if you put a match on the calendar, they're generally happy if they can fit it in. But the Premier League aren't happy with that anymore. Uh, and it goes back to what I said earlier about the, the the matches being profitable. A lot of the a lot of the conversation that we're having having is absolutely driven by revenue and profit. It should be led uh, uh, from fatigue on players. I saw a, I saw a piece recently. I think it was in the Athletic, and it was it was very very good. Um, which was, I think it might have been a Liverpool player, it might be Jordan Henderson, or, or yeah. uh, talk about the demands that that are placed on 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 the bodies of a Premier League player. Now I I am a I'm a you know slightly overweight, slightly balding guy. I have I am not used to playing 38 games in the Premier League, but I can imagine that the demands on the body are are, are exceptional. Yeah, you know, and they're exceptional athletes. Don't get me wrong; that there's there's many problems with the Premier League, but 
but the 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 skill of, of and the the athleticism of the people who play in it is not one of them. Um, and and the conversation should be driven by that. The the, the amount of matches that we play, you know, where we play, when we play. That should be a key point, and it isn't currently. Jay, that's always going to be juxtaposed with the quite obvious point about the close season where players and you know humans need to recover and you know take their time, and this is a crucial recovery period. And a lot of the Premier League clubs are flying quite um, extensive distances to lucrative overseas tours. So oh, yeah. when we when we when we move on to you know player fatigue. That doesn't really sort of make sense either, because surely the first thing that these managers really worried about player fatigue will be say, right, we're, we're rich clubs. We don't we don't need these overseas tours. We're going to let these guys recover at home. We'll have some local friendlies and we'll do it the right way. But no, that is never um, that is never a, a big a big talking point. You don't really hear Jurgen Klopp talk, talking up about that, do you? Oh, exactly. That's, that's what I was going to move on to. You know, the the it's it's. It's often said, and 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 I know you particularly have made the point, you know, so many times, yeah. and I agree wholeheartedly. You can't have a conversation, or you can't complain about fixture congestion when you're when you're spending four weeks in Asia before the start of the season. Yeah. You know, now if if you want to go do that, go do that. That's fine. There's 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 no inherent issue with it. But then don't come back and moan about fixture congestion. The fi- the fix fixture congestion when you talk about player fatigue and things like that it, it should be a key issue and it's not this isn't the main issue being highlighted and raised say i read one article a couple of weeks ago and that was it i've read so many so many articles about oh we play too many fixtures yeah but when you go down to jay when you go down to um fix uh you know fatigue level yeah another obvious counter is like you said you started up with is that you utilize your squad when you just have a, an, an abstract thing which is really hard to counter fixture congestion it's really hard. It's, it's hard to argue with that to an extent. But when it's literally, right, are my players are tired? The obvious answer is use your extensive squad. Use your really excellent academy players. Make it work, you know. And, and that's why that, that will never be put on the table very much. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, that's what, I, that's what I hope would be the FA's main argument if the Premier League does formally approach them and say, hey, we'd like to scrap FA Cup replays at third and fourth round. I would hope that the FA goes back and tells them to get stuffed. Yeah. Um, for for precisely that reason one of the reasons why i have the platform that i do is because you know there's going to be b teams in the football league and the fa's report and the and the the reasoning behind it was that youth players don't have enough minutes right if 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 your squad is fatigued or there's too many calendars the, the fa cup third round and fourth round is a fantastic opportunity to play them you know, yeah. it's a it's a great opportunity. Now, I I, I do appreciate that. Um, take I, I use Liverpool again because I'm from the area, and, and you know, Liverpool uh, Shrewsbury in the or Shrewsbury Liverpool in the FA Cup a couple of years ago was quite controversial because it, it was a team of kids, and Jurgen Klopp didn't tur- didn't even turn up. I think yeah. you yeah. know, so I, I understand that that can still devalue it. I, I know that that isn't. Um, you know a quick fix to say we'll just play your kids it it isn't that simple and i appreciate it isn't that simple but it's not far off you know we we talk about there's there's real limited opportunities for these youngsters in premier league youth academies i think thomas tuchel um when he recently departed chelsea i'm sure i saw a start I, i i don't i don't know exactly off the top of my head and i'm sure someone will will find out maybe prove me wrong but i'm sure i read a start that said he didn't give 
a single minute to uh, um, a, 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 a one of the, the youth academy prospects last season. A single minute, you know, and that that's an extraordinary start. That's an extraordinary start. So I would hope that that if these plans do come to fruition and the, and they discuss this this new deal as has been reported, yep. and if they do go to the FA and say we'd like to scrap replays, I, I would hope that the FA say no on 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 that rip for that reason. Yeah, that's a good point. And this whole moniker New Deal for football, we've had various buzzword code words going all the way back to the uh, blueprint for the future of football, 1991 from the FA. That's a godforsaken document that thing it just it's just strange that you've got these pretty casual articles i would say but albeit born with a fair amount of detail from um, you know you had a bit from ziegler a bit from stone on the bbc with some detail in but nothing no official sources no you know no you know bells and whistles no premier league hq seal on it but then it's got this title, New Deal for Football. So it just seems a contradiction. Where Where is it coming from, Jay? Is it, is it been driven by the clubs? Who's the authors of the New Deal for Football? Because it sounds something like President Roosevelt would come up with. Um, so if it's therefore got that you know, significant, surely all the game needs to be involved in it, not just the Premier League or the EFL, especially if you're dealing with the FA, FA Cup, which has hundreds of, of clubs going all the way down the pyramid. Is that a source of confusion for you as well? Who's actually pushing this New Deal for football? Oh, absolutely. Get your tinfoil hat out because here come the conspiracy theories. I'm not questioning the, the reports that, co- that have come out. I am questioning how and why this has been released. And I, I do fear that this is, you know, given the controversy surrounding Project Picture and the Super League and all these plans that come out to really lukewarm receptions, I do wonder if this is a bit of a test the water, you know, type thing, um, particularly with the the looming shadow of the um, fan-led review and whether that is or isn't going to happen. You know, there's someone official talking about it because we've got a name, we've got a lot of detail in the articles that have come out, but say nothing official, you won't find anything about this on the Premier League website or the FA website or the EFL website. There's no name sources. So... Uh, it's i'm a little uncomfortable at how this has all come about i mean you read some of the headlines premier league considering scrapping fa cup replay it's not the premier league's decision yeah you know it's not the premier league's decision to scrap fa cup replays and it's not the premier league's decision um to make changes to the to the league cup um that's a good point in terms of there's two i would say quite separate themes here so you've got distribution of of, of finances and uh, parachute payments and, you know, solidarity payments and all stuff like that. Fine. That needs to be discussed. But then you can't tag on changes to outside competitions because they're separate things that need to be discussed separately and they can't be done. If you're renegotiating a financial arrangement in, in, in a different change of finances, you can't tag on things like that because you could say anything is associated will go through with those financial discussions i would hope it's the sort of thing that if we if we see the recommendations of the fan-led review come to fruition and we do get an independent regulator i hope it's the sort of thing that could maybe be clamped down upon it's it's a very it's a very political thing you know it it, it's it's similar to to what your politics may be in in you know just looking at the country as a whole 
I'm a I'm a socialist. You know, is my own personal mentality, and I I think that people should be helped, and I think that people in a position of privilege should be the ones to to offer and provide and finance that help. And I I I, I genuinely think the same thing here. I coach um, I coach under tens football now, and um, we are we 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 struggle for every penny to. Um, you know, to try and improve the absolutely diabolical pitches that we play on, like you know, and it's a situation that that pours out across the country. So we're not just talking about EFL clubs. We're not even just talking about you know non-league clubs or, or national league clubs or anything. You know, we're talking about the entire pyramid. Yeah. You know, I, I I have a I have a care and a deep love for the entire pyramid. Um, uh, and a, this this goes back the, the situation as a whole. I just think is so bad. Is so bad. I think it, it harms English football as a whole. And it all points for the glaring need for that independent regulator because we've been talking about this stuff for quite a few years for our sins. And there's always been, I wouldn't call it a power vacuum because I'm pretty clear about where power lies in, in English football. But it's just this lack of being able to pinpoint where these ideas are started, where they're formulated, you know, where they're pushed through. Because... And essentially, you would imagine that any changes to the FA Cup would start with the FA Council and the FA's sort of uh, widespread bureaucracy beneath it and its, its ways of decision making. But in this instance, it seems to be coming from the Premier League club. So you've got it, it obviously worth to go to the FA at some point if it gets pushed through. But it just seems like there's no real control and no real democracy in football to um, make sure everyone else is represented that are going to be affected by it. And it just it literally points to the need for the independent regulator, because without that, I do fear for the, you know, the English football as we know it, because as we know, when you give an inch, people take a mile. And if this is just gets pushed through without it, any, any uproar, God knows what will be next on, on the agenda, I guess. But, um, we need to wrap up. We've been talking for quite a while. We always talk for ages about it. I guess I guess my closing point is that it, this discussion doesn't need to be completely about finances and about um, you know macro level issues. It can just be about the game itself. And if you get rid of FA Cup replays, why does everything need to be so instant in football? Why does it need to be so fast? So why does football matches have to end on the night when you're there? You know, FA Cup replays are pretty much one of the last vestiges of a slower game. It's not about instant results. You know, the ebb and flow of, of replays and sometimes, you know, more than one replay, as we used to do in the past. And that famous Ricardo Villa goal, I think of 1981, Spurs v Man City, I think came in an FA Cup final replay. No one seems to mind going back to um, Wembley for a second time. Let me add a quick point. I know we, I know we need to be quick. I need to wrap up. Yeah. Right. So so the, so uh, I'm a Southport fan. For those who don't know, I've mentioned it. The, the the biggest FA Cup tie I've ever seen. We we got drawn away at Derby County. We're a sixth tier team, and Derby were in the in the championship. You know, it was a massive tie for us. It was massive. I was jumping in front of the TV. You know, when that draw was made, I was absolutely delighted. I was involved at the club at the time in the media team. So for us, like the the, the two or three weeks that followed were absolutely surreal. It was yeah. such an incredible experience. Go to Pride Park. Pride Park is sold out. Which for you know I'm I'm used to seeing crowds of seven eight hundred. So watching my team in front of twenty thousand people was just magical. Loved sure. it. Loved every minute of it. We competed throughout the whole game. It was nil nil. 
and we thought we were going to drag them back to Haygav. We were going to drag Derby County kicking and screaming back to Haygav. And I, like Kevin Keegan, I would have loved it. I was all on board for it. They got a they got a a, a, a last minute goal, dubi- a last minute pen, dubious, really dubious penalty. I'm still bitter about it today. Um, but it really sums up my my whole experience about the FA Cup. When you say it's not about finances, it isn't. You know, I'm I'm one of these these um. They talk about the magic of the FA Cup, and it's a cliche, right? But I love the FA Cup. The FA Cup's great. The FA Cup's great, and it was it, that moment like that. That moment has, has always summed up how I feel about the FA Cup. I think it's a magical competition, and it yeah. isn't just about finances. I think to say to scrap the replays is a real shame. Yeah, well said. And I think the Premier League clubs need to be just aware of a little bit of a tipping point that I see it all over Twitter and I, people I speak to. They're just pe- people are often say these clubs need to piss off to a Super League and leave us to it. And people feeling like these these top clubs aren't, you know, aren't bringing benefit and, 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 and um, you know, health to, to the pyramid. It's a real sad thing. These are big clubs that we should all really respect. And the more Jurgen Klopp goes in the press and, and moans about, um, you know, that he's playing too many games when I'm watching my team in League Two, you know, just bringing together players where they can and, you know, patching people up. It, it really d- it diminishes my my love for, you know, really long-standing, huge clubs. And that shouldn't be the case. And I think the Premier League clubs really need to uh, try to find, like, maybe that point has gone, Jay, already. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a sad thing when we, we're having to resent these guys we should be looking up to. But we'll see how it goes. And, um, yeah. yeah, so it's been a good chat, Jay. Um, we'll, we'll no doubt reconvene very soon for the next uh mind fart the next the next project so and so project ask why wherever it is but thanks a lot for joining me and then we'll see oh, i really appreciate the invite on good speech as always take care mate champions next season right then let's look ahead to saturday's it's been described as a big match by northampton town don't know how big it is but um, let's look forward to the game against stockport on saturday we've got ross johnson from the scarf bagara war Again with us. How are you doing, Russ? Um, Stockport's form has been a little bit patchy. It's sort of hard to tell where the season's going to go, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, it is hard. Um, you know, pre-season favourites with a few bookies. What do they know? You know, I think they have Bradford pre-season favourites every year, as far as I can tell. Um, and yeah, it's been really, really patchy. Not been able to get a settled side, a settled way of playing, still trying to work out what our best team is. Um, so yeah, it's uh, patchy. is probably about as... That's probably doing us... Um, it's probably doing us a favour calling it patchy, to be honest. Yeah, it's always a difficult one because I've I did a little prediction for when Saturday comes. I had to like map out the league before it started. I had you, I think, top three or top four or something, maybe in the you know definitely in the promotion places. But then when you look at it, you know you've got a couple of new players, especially Horsfall. We're going to later newcomers to the league, although you've obviously had a very rich pedigree in the league. Sometimes it doesn't tra- translate straight away, doesn't it? And I guess your fans have to temper their sort of enthusiasm to an extent that you're you are newcomers to the league again yeah I, I think we do now but if you look before the season started the expectation was that we wanted to challenge to go up that yeah. was the object that's the objective of the club yeah you know with our with our new owner getting to the championship within seven years mm. which we'll talk about that soon um the manager comes out and says yeah we want to we want to be up there and be challenging so does the club captain so our ex- our expectations were set before a ball was kicked then you've yep. got the, the obviously the, the bookies giving us favourite, making us favourites as well. Um, I think now we have to realign our, reset our expectations because it's not, it's just not worked. I think the, the jump up has been too much, added to 
adding seven or eight new players, um, and it's just it's just not gelled at all. Yeah, but as we'll go on to later on, you've got I think you've got a good setup there. You've got some new stadium plans. We'll talk a little bit about later on. Mm. I think the club's going in the right direction. It's just that people want it sort of now, don't they? And I just think <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's you know it's 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 a bit of a long game in football, isn't it? And I think you'll definitely be getting towards that target of Championship football sooner rather than later. Um, hopefully we'll obviously knock a few past you on Saturday. Um, <laughs> on, in terms of your form, so your last game was a nil-nil draw with Harrogate, who of a northern side obviously but not a team you're probably too familiar with you used to play a lot higher than them uh that was a nil-nil draw uh you lost against Crawley who are a bit of a difficult one they're like this NFT side with bought that Telford I think it was they got some money and then some weeks they're good some weeks they're terrible but that wasn't the best result 3-2 uh away at Crawley um Stockport then it was Stockport one Wimbledon nil before that so that's not too bad uh, a draw against Swindon at home and a defeat away at Mansfield before that. So it just seems like you're covering a lot of bases here, doesn't it? But no consistency, I guess. Yeah. So the Mansfield game, we took the lead with an absolute peach from Anthony Sarasovic. And we were we were in the game until that point, you know, and it was we, we, we always start off well. Wimbledon, uh, your man Horsfall scored. He scored the winner from a corner on that one. Yeah. Uh, Crawley, this, all the statistics say, including, including possession, you know, attempts, XG, all that sort of stuff. They'll be absolutely battered. They made four shots, scored three goals. They made 16, 17. Yeah. Uh, loads of ball possession. Um, Harrogate, you say we haven't played him. We, don't forget we played semi-professional regional football not long ago. We, we have played them a lot in non-league. Um, not with, I think that was the first time we've ever played him in the league, actually. Um, and it was just a non-entity. We didn't even look like scoring. They didn't look like scoring. We could have gone on for another four matches and still not scored. Yeah. Um, so it has. It's been a bit up and down. So we played well, not maybe not got what we deserved. Not played well. Other teams haven't took us. We we, we haven't actually been absolutely mullered yet, which might come on Saturday against your lot. It might not. We might play really well and something might click for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just we just don't know. Our, our feeling is, or certainly my feeling is, that we're, we're coming to the, a fork in the road, and we're either going to go one way or the other, and one will determine whether Challenger keeps his job or not, and the other will, if we go the other way, then we'll, we'll, we will start firing because we've got some really good players. Yeah, for sure. And, and some of your players have got a fair amount of pedigree and so quite a lot of technique. Um, what's the general consensus with Challenger? Is it, is it, I'm just sort of sensing that there might be a bit of frustration with him. Obviously, you, you've come up and that's a brilliant thing, but then with the ambitions of the club, is, is it one of those ones where he's almost always under pressure, I guess? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's always under pressure, and he'll probably he'll probably say that himself. Mm. Um, in fact, I think he said it in an interview with me. He, he it's, it's you need to be under pressure. It's pressure that you want, the right kind of pressure. Um, yeah, he's under pressure. The natives are getting restless because the expectations were set, and we're not we're not we're not meeting them. Um, and it's all a bit stale. So we're not playing this high intensity, high pressing football that we did at the top end of the national league last season. It's kind of petered out, and we can't even pull a few passes together and we're not we're not hunting in packs anymore and that's probably down to the new players not not gelling together i mean sure you know, take, take that how you how you want but um but yeah there is a bit of pressure on him um personally i think he's got more credit in the bank he's got a lot of credit in the bank yet to go i think it's too early to start thinking about that but yeah. with each game that goes by and we don't win then 
that ultimately adds pressure to the manager. We, we know that's for any club in any division, isn't it? So yeah, for sure. um, yeah, it's starting to get worrying now. It's not just the results. You know, I watched us in the pizza tray trophy on Tuesday, and it was against under twenty one Wolves under twenty ones, and it wasn't great. Yeah, but I guess it's it's a difficult one because if he is relieved of his duties, that's not not necessarily a panacea. Sometimes you can get knocked back a season or half a season a season by making that change and a new guy's not necessarily going to come in and hit the ground running so it's a, it's a really difficult one I don't know uh, obviously obviously not a fan of Stockport it's easy for me to say but yeah a, but I, I guess in your favour I looked at some of the stats actually and uh, the XG XG is not everyone's cup of tea but I think it's an interesting statistic and in the XG table of League 2 and there's an XG site on Twitter that does it pretty well you're um, actually higher than us in the XG League of expected goals. Uh, you're, I think you're 10th and we're 12th. Mm. So we're sort of underperforming, um, overperforming. You're underperforming in terms of your expected goals. So you're obviously making a few chances. Is you know, is your forward line up, up to scratch? Um, no. If I had to choose between yes and no, no, it's not. Uh, we've got we've got Paddy Madden up front, and we've got Carl Wooten and Connor Jennings as well, um, and Ollie Crankshaw sort of moved into that into that area as well. It's it's more the creative, yeah. It's 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 the putting it away. The, the stats say that we do we do create a lot of chances. I, I saw that XG uh, graphic as well, and I was pleasantly surprised. I've got to say um, that the, the the XG was had put us that high into tenth. Um, yeah, Paddy Madden's just not hit the form that he had last season. He's not scoring as many. Um, he's getting a bit older now, perhaps, finding it more difficult in League Two, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Wooten, not to count his top scorer last season, hasn't really done what we hoped he would. So, And we didn't sign a striker in the window either. We, we let Scott quickly go to Rochdale. So, um, yeah, it, we've just not been putting the ball in the back of the net. But at the same time, that's just one element we feel. You know, that's the final third. There's there's issues in the middle third. There's definitely issues in, at the back third. Um, yeah, so there's, there's there's kind of there's kind of red flags all over the pitch, really, and that's Challenger's puzzle to sort out. Yeah, for sure. And I guess from our perspective, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those strikers you mentioned go on a little bit of a run, do score a couple of goals. Obviously, they're not they're they're not hitting any consistent form, but if they went on a little couple of run, a uh, run of a couple of uh, goals, it wouldn't surprise me at all. There's goals in them. Hopefully, it won't happen on Saturday, but yeah, they, there's potential there. Just frustrating for you as a Stockport fan that it's not happening week in week out. Um, so, in terms of the real goal scored, we've scored 19 and you scored 10. We've conceded ten and you've conceded thirteen, so we're sort of doing better at both ends to an extent. But um, yeah, I guess that all depends on how everything stacks up on Saturday. We've got the sort of battle of our defenders, Guthrie and your your Horsfall both can score. I think both. Is that did your guy score last week? Did Horsfall score last week? No, he scored against uh, Wimbledon a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so he he has scored fairly recently, and Guthrie scored. Last week against against Rochdale, so that'll be a really uh, sort of interesting tussle between those two, especially at corners and stuff like that. What's Steve Chandler's tactics like at the moment? Has he got a settled formation, settled system, or is he still trying to work things out? Yeah, he's still trying to work things out. We can we can mix it between five at the back and four at the back. He he tended to go for five at the back last season with two um, high energy wing backs getting crosses in, and then maybe two in midfield or three in midfield. And then two up front or three up front, depending on on the transition of that. So yeah, we'll, we'll either come with two up front or it'll be a lone striker with two sort of wide men. 
that kind of thing. Um, sure. We do we do like to press high, um, play out from the back, press high, unless it's not on from the back. But yeah, press high, hunting packs, get the ball back, try and counter, you know, counter press. But it's just not been working. And and I think on Saturday I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of predict a, a the usual that's been happening, unless they surprise me. Unless you wallop us or we surprise you and we come out and play the way we're meant to play. Sure. If if, if another if none of those happen, I predict it'll be 15, 20 minutes of us being on top from the start. <laughs> if we don't score, uh, or, or even if we do, then you'll get 70 minutes just to not just to do what you like. That, that's, that's pretty much what exactly what happened. Watchdale did to us. I got to the my seat about five minutes late and they were all over us for about 10, 15 minutes. And I just thought to myself, this is great for them. They're playing some good football. They were getting in behind. And I was thinking, can they keep it up? You know, what are they going to keep this sort of intensity up? And it just fell away for them. And we ended up winning 3-0. So, you know, that's, that potentially could happen. It's up to Challenger, isn't it, to keep that intensity going and keep the pressure on and not fall away, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's up to Challenger. But I think he puts a lot of the responsibility onto the players. So yeah. I think what, what we've seen certainly this season, at the end of last season as well, because don't forget Wrexham, Wrexham runners close to the title. Um, but if you want to watch the documentary, do watch that because we do. I'll spoiler alert: we do, you know, we do win it in the end. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. It's interesting. But it is up to him. He puts the responsibility on the players. They need to not get disheartened with it not working. You know, the game plan for longer than what they have done. Like I say, 15, 20 minutes goes by, and. If they can, what it seems to me is that if they can see it's not working, they start to question then their own decision making and their own touches. Yeah. Things start to get away from them. Things, it's just it's really simple stuff where when we're playing well and we were going on an unbeaten run, really long unbeaten run last season, they would, you know, like Miles Hippolyte's one to watch, he'd, he'd bring it down, um, he'd, he'd sort of jink past a couple of players and then play one out to Rydell on the left. That's just not happening now. The, the, his first touch will go. You know, we'll go missing, or, or do you know what I mean? Or his second touch will be too heavy, and yeah, it's just little things like that. And we've said on our own podcast, it's more, it's more tweaks than wholesale, wholesale changes that need to be done. Yeah, and sometimes confidence as well. I know it's a bit mm. of a cliche, isn't it? But confidence breeds better football. And yeah, sometimes I'd be interested to know how, you, if you give the responsibility to the players, how you, how literally the players recovered from that last week, the nil nil, where you said nothing was happening. That must be a bit of a a mental. Sort of challenge, doesn't it, to, to step it up from a pretty turgid performance by the sounds of it? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it was turgid. Um, Harrogate came like, look, looking like they didn't even want to win the match. They were quite happy just to sit in with a nil-nil, and we didn't even look like we wanted to go and win it. So, I mean, there's yeah. a, couple of cha- a couple of chances and things, obviously, but like you do when you're at home. But yeah, it was. Uh, it is a challenge. It's like I say, it's a puzzle that Challenger needs to needs to solve. Yeah, I've lived through so many games like that where it's just like, what, what have I paid my money for? What is happening here? They're not going to score in a month for Sundays, and it's just sort of, yeah, I've been, I've, I've been through it, mate. I've been, I've been through the trenches <laughs> in those games. Uh, in terms of players to watch, I don't want to talk about Horsfall. We've talked about him to death. We all know what he's like. You know, he's pretty useful. Could score, might not. Uh, give us a player to watch that we might not know about as Northampton fans. Um, Anthony Sarsavic is probably our one to watch. Um, mm. He was Bolton's captain when we signed him from League One into the National League. Um, he's a Stockport lad, all well, very local, um, and he's he's League One quality. He'll, he'll, he's in our central midfield, tends yeah. to run things, kind of like the engine, really. Um, not so much a defender, but he'll get back eventually. But he's more of a 
he's more of a sort of um, for this level, should we say, cultured midfielder. But um, yeah, he's pretty decent. And the other one you'll know, I think, is Paddy Madden. Um, we got him from Fleetwood uh, again in League One, brought into National League. He pretty much dragged us up um, into the, to the National League title. Not been as prolific this season, but it's got to be only a matter of time before something clicks and he starts scoring. And he's he's back from a three match suspension as well for Saturday. Yeah. So. I know that those two uh, players sound pretty useful. What's Sarcevic's background? What's his sort of um, heritage and stuff? He sounds like Eastern European in his... Uh, do you know what his background is? Or is no, uh... I, I, do you know what? I don't actually know his background. I know he's. Yeah. I know he played for Stockport Town uh, early in his career. Okay. And then he moved to Staley Bridge, I think, something like that. Yeah. Ended, ended up at Bolton at a very good very good level um, and, then, and then came to us. So yeah. he's, um, he's, he's one of those players, he just stands out above the rest. He's just, yeah. he's, he's just class compared to everything else we've got. Yeah, he's um, he's been, uh, you know, talked about for a while as a pretty useful player. Just looking at his Wikipedia, it's not giving me much information on that. Woodley Sports, Crew Alexandra, Chester. He's been around. Yeah, he's been around yeah. a few so, little clubs. Yeah, so right. Woodley, Woodley Sports is Stockport Town now. That's ah, okay, okay. Just so there you know, you my facts, just so you know, my facts are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Woodley Sports. Okay, yeah. So yeah, for the uh, that's 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 niche uh, Stockport knowledge for all the uh, yeah. Stockport, uh, <laughs> out there. Uh, so yeah, so you got a couple of players essentially on their day can do the business. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, this stadium expansion plan they came out this week. They look yeah. pretty interesting. I like what your chairman's trying to do. I don't know a lot about him, but I've heard some of this stuff. I know he converted some debt to equity and stuff like that. He's obviously. Yeah got his heart in it from what I can I can you know make make sense of and the stadium expansion plans were released this week I don't know if they'd been released in sort of excerpts before but from face value from what I can look at there seems to be a clear plan to get back to the championship they're saying this is how we're going to do the stadium you know does, does that excite you as a fan or are you a bit more cynical about it no no I'm absolutely excited excited absolutely you know, is, is an understatement I mean when he came in um, in January 2020, this he, he laid out these statements um, and he's delivered on each one. He's, he's yeah. kept his promise for each one. Yeah, he wrote off 7.7 million pounds worth of equity. Uh, sorry, debt into equity. Um, he's he's a local he's a local lad. Um, he's a county fan. He's worth yeah. he's worth something between five and eight hundred million that, wow. you know, that, that we've heard. Um, and basically, he wants to. Um, bring the club closer to the community, do it yeah. for philanthropy reasons. Um, so the ground now, he, he, he said this from the start, he, he actually said at the start a 22,000 seater in the championship, mm. um, but the plans are 20,000, um, completely, two, two completely new stands and the, the main stand, as we call it, you know, the old fashioned stand with the blue plaque on it, um, is going to keep the facade of that and keep its heritage and build around that and keep its That's character. Great. Um, That's really good. I like to hear that because I think Portsmouth are doing similar, actually. They had sort of plans to move stadium, move to an out of town or whatever, but they've actually decided to invest in the stadium, mm-hmm. keep the old features. And when there's so many clubs moving to these sort of identical big, large bowls, it's nice for an investment in the original ground. And Stockport's got one of the probably the few old school grounds left in League Two, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, probably. And it's right in the centre of one of the suburbs of Stockport as well, actually. So yeah, if you go to an out of town thing, I've been, I've, you know, I've been to loads. I'm sure you have as well. 
there's there's not many pubs or anything like that knocking about. You have to you have to sort of walk in or get a bus in or whatever. Mm. With Edgeley, it's right next to the train station. You've got Edgeley there with all its pubs. So there's about twelve pubs on there or something like that. Great. You know, he's, he's building a fan park. He's going to make it sustainable from an environmental perspective. Yeah. His business facilities, all that kind of stuff. Um, no, we're just really excited, and and the journey that we've been on into Tier Six, you know, International League North, um, just has just connected us. We didn't, we never split the fans from the actual club itself, you know, from the club as a, as an entity, as a as a business, like yeah. some clubs have, like Macclesfield and Bury. Um, so we, we we see ourselves as quite fortunate, really, that we've been through all that pain, experienced all that shit down there, you know, getting beat by I don't know. Kettering and Rush well, Olympic. That's and, just down the road from us. That's a nice little link. That's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Road, yeah. So, I, yeah, do do me homework. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yes, club, clubs like that. And now we've come back and, you know, the fans, we we cleared the decks at the club and, and did a lot of work making sure it was sustainable, had a lot of volunteers and floated around in, in the Nas- uh, National League North for six years, got ourselves back into the National League. And then that's when Mark Stott said, right, well, it's investable now. Um, yeah. So, he came in, and we just see it as we just see it as it's our time. So it's our it's our sort of prize for enduring all that and all that hard work, and we're sure. just ha- happy to be back in the league, in back in the football league where we where we think we belong. Really, you know. I wrote an article on Stockport, and someone does, I can't remember which which magazine it was. They asked me to write an article about Stockport, and I knew a little bit about you guys. But then when I read some of the stories that went on and stuff, they're just yeah. they're, they're just you could not believe some of the stuff. Because it's Deep Mahaman the manager at one point. Yes, Adit Mahaman was the manager. Um, he, had a, he had a driver who drove him around, who was a scouser. Every time there was a charity event and Adit Mahaman turned up, the, the, the driver wanted something like 500 quid. <laughs> I'm not joking. And yeah. I've, we've done, um, we've, on our YouTube channel on Scarf Bagara Wall, we did a dark day series with two, two men that, that were at the club through a whole series of events. And they yeah. just go into some detail and... It is yeah. jaw dropping. If you can, if you can sit there and listen to it for twelve hours, because that's how long it is in total, six six episodes. Then honestly, it's just some of the stuff is unbelievable. Yeah, and it was just unbelievable. It was just unbelievable the basic facts and the, and the way that the club sort of rose and fought, fell. Let alone all the minutiae of the, the sort of the interesting stuff you talked about. So yeah, I might check with that. I'll check that out. I love these sort of. Uh, I don't love them, but it's sort of like, yeah, it's interesting, interesting listen. But yeah, so it, it's really nice to see you back on an upward tra- trajectory. And what I like about what the chairman's doing is it gives you a clarity, even just even just the stadium plans. It wasn't they weren't very detailed. There wasn't a detailed stuff, but it was literally just very, de- uh, very clear stuff. We want to be in the championship in by X date or whatever. We want to be in the championship. We want to we'll have 20,000 uh, capacity stadium. You know, we want to um, bring the community and we want to, you know, lower our carbon footprint, all that sort of stuff. It was just very clear. And, and you can buy into that. And then, you know, local businesses can buy into that. And you start to build something and you, you start to, you know where you're going. Whereas my critique of Northampton at the moment is, I just, it feels like we don't know where we're going. Although we're doing pretty well on the pitch. I think we had like 4,000, 600 or something last week at the game it's just you know i mean you you've got something to get behind haven't you though you know we absolutely have um and it's it's kind of it's every box that you that you could that you could think of for a football club that you could get behind it's we're ticking all those boxes out yeah and then if you think then if you think about our catchment area as well um you know, we're on the doorstep of the you know the richest club in the world and the biggest club in the world. All the fans that 
generally navigate towards them. We've got lots of people that will, that can potentially come to the games and, and we yeah. can convert them. I mean, to add on to that, he wants a, a full training ground within the borough. And we've already got uh, Man City's old training ground at the moment. Um, and is that Carrington, is it? Carrington, Carrington, yeah. yeah, and we've got um, we've just you know got ourselves our Cat Four or Cat Three uh, Academy, so um, yeah, every, every box is ticked so far. It is to put it into perspective. The only thing that anybody's ever griped about is that our new badge has the year we were founded twice on it. <laughs> There's and always something to moan about. Well, the, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Can't get away. <laughs> you know how he's how the stadium expansion is going to be funded is that going to come from private funds is it going to be like a mixture or something How uh, no all, all private all private so uh yeah. mark stott's company vita uh which is our sponsor is he, he his his company is uh property development yeah um so if you drive through manchester or any any big city really i think you see at the top of these big towers vita um and he does a lot overseas as well in in sort of uh, dubai and things like that so he has got the business skills and the people around him to, yep. to to do this. He put he'll probably get it done cheap as well, knowing him, um, or you know, effectively and cheaply because yeah, that's what he does. He, he yeah, that's his, that's his bread and butter, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's an interesting. One, keep an eye on that one. I just hope just hope that the, the ground doesn't change too much because I just like these sort of more old school grounds. But I think yeah. that'll be uh, sympathetic to that. Um, yeah. So let's move on to Saturday's game. Let's do a match prediction. And I've, I've read it's, it seems almost too bad to be true. The Stockport. I've, I've I, you know I've read heard some Stockport fans and there's a lot of a bit a little bit of doom and gloom and I think that becomes comes from just high expectations. But that worries me because I just don't think it can ever be as bad as people say. <laughs> so that worries me that we're doing well, you're all doom and gloom. We know how football works. One nil Stockport. I'll let you make a prediction before I make mine anyway. Uh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. There is a bit of doom and gloom, but I think that comes from the um, the everything. I want everything now. Uh, yeah. Part of society. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my prediction. I'm going to say what I said on other podcasts. I'm going to be really, really positive and say that we're going to draw one all. Okay, okay, that seems reasonable. I guess if you just look at the pure, pure form, the stats, yeah, we should win. And <laughs> I was a little bit concerned in the first, the, sorry, the game gets watched out last week. We got there a little bit late, five minutes late, and then they were all over us for about 10, 15 minutes. I was like, well, this could be the, this is the, the week it's going to crack. But then we, like you said, we slowly built into the game. We won three 0 So. We've got. I've got to be positive in terms of that and, and the stats and everything. I'm going to go two one, but it wouldn't surprise me if you know. I want. I won't be too bad for us. Consolidate us at the top a little bit, but I'd say. In, do you know how many fans you're likely to bring down? Yeah, probably. I'd say. I'd say four or five hundred at least. I don't know how many we've sold. I usually, I usually get wind of how many we've sold. I don't know how many it is. But I think it's probably going to be around that mark. I don't know if it was Rochdale that bought like a hundred or two hundred or something. We've had some. We had Barrow, they obviously, bless them, they're the very far north yeah. of the country. They bought about 100. The away attendances have been really poor and it's really noticeable in terms of the atmosphere. So hopefully you can bring a few and make a little bit of noise. Um, before the game, I don't know if you're allowed in the home bar, but we have a little bit of music before in the home bar. And um, I said, I sent you on Twitter after the game, if any of you guys are coming down for you know, a night out in Northampton or staying around afterwards, there's a a music festival festival called Town Takeover in Northampton after the game, which is, um, you know, you can find it on our Twitter. That'll be out tomorrow on our Twitter. It's a music festival. I think it's three locations, all walkable in the town. 
center and uh, there's loads of bands playing at each venue and uh, that'll be a good after match thing for your fans to do if they're sort of hanging around so keep an eye out for that but i'm gonna leave you to shoot off now and uh are you coming down on saturday or are you are you busy no i can't make it on saturday i'm busy unfortunately but uh i'll be probably be streaming it yeah fair play you'll be watching from far but yeah fair enough um take it easy thanks for talking to us again it's really interesting and we'll talk again soon no problem cheers mate see you later cheers mate one load of couplers, still only a pound. So then on Saturday, the town takeover music festival is happening in the town centre after the cobbler Stockport game. It's going to be a brilliant do. Really recommend you getting a ticket. We've got Elliot from Organisers of Scratch Record Podcast back on. How are you doing, Elliot? Just uh, fill us in again on what's going on Saturday. I'm doing very well, mate. We've got this festival that's happening. It's starting at three o'clock in all the venues. It's a £20 ticket if you buy in advance, and then it'll be £25 on the day. Um, and we've got 26 bands playing in three venues, being the Black Prince, the Lab, Phipps Albion Bar. It's just going to be a great vibe for anyone that's anyone that enjoys indie and alternative music, man. It's a great showcase for local bands as well. So you've got quite a few local bands. You've brought a few in from out elsewhere. And to people like me, a little bit lazy, you know, we're not having tra- travels to London or Birmingham or whatever for a, a festival. It's, it's just basically within walking distance in the town centre, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So we've got um, Black Prince in the lab are like bottom end of Welly Road, like towards the town centre end. And then Phipps Albion Breweries, like at um, the bottom of Bridge Street. Yeah. So it's it's all done. It's all like right in the centre, right in the centre of town. And to be honest, every venue has eight plus bands in now from three from three o'clock onwards. Yeah. Um, so to be honest, it's just going to be one of them days where there's you, you literally are paying 20 quid to see nine. You have the option to see nine bands in a day like it yeah. just is it. It makes a lot of sense for us and you know we've got the local acts that are coming down and they're bringing a good vibe and they've got their fan base that are all coming through and then to be honest the main thing that we try to do is try and bring bands out from out of town to kind of show the town that actually if someone can someone has these connections and has these links into these bands to get them into town to throw a really good party for them they're going to want to come back and it means more good music in the center yeah it's a win-win isn't it as a football fan we've got Quite a big game for Northampton against Stockport on Saturday. In fact, I think uh, the Saints rugby are also playing for Leicester, local derby. So if you're a rugby fan and you're going to the rugby game, you know, it's a brilliant thing to do after the match. Um, But from a Cobblers perspective, obviously what we are, you know, we've got a big game against Stockport, a famous band called Blossoms. You probably interviewed them yourself or you're working your way towards it. They come from Stockport. So Stockport fans are massively into music as well so hopefully you get, get a few away fans but what a brilliant thing to be able to do go to the football early kickoff on Saturday at six fields two o'clock watch the football and then just you know wander into town and like you said all these bands you know in, in, in a couple two or three really nice spaces it's just um perfect day isn't it a few beers football bit of music exactly it's all going to be underway and we've also got discount tickets for cobblers fans and saints fans so if you are a cobblers fan just use if you go as you go through the order and get to the promo code section just make sure you put in shoe army tt all in caps and that will get you your 20 they'll get you 20 percent off your ticket so take your 20 pound ticket down to 15 quid so you can't you can't moan at that at all do you know what i mean it's you know you come down after the game at four o'clock and come down after the game at four uh, like four o'clock half past four and you you're laughing really aren't you yeah, yeah you can eat you know some people if you're uh feeling fit you can walk to the album brewery from six fields or get a bus or whatever you know just uh 
take it easy and have, have a good time. And um, yeah, I think if you can get a ticket for 15 quid and you're seeing nine bands and, you know, the party goes on till 3am. So that's, um, I know I know you have to buy a new ticket for the after party, but, it, you know, potentially it could be just a uh, brilliant dude, couldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, the after party tickets are only £6 and we're also taking after party tickets on the door. So if you get in towards the headliner act or clear out the main room and then bring everyone back in for after party and if you're still knocking about and you're having a good time and enjoying your beers, then it's game on really, isn't it, for the rest of the night for the after party. Great indie DJ. We've got an indie DJ. We've got we've got a lad doing covers for us. It's just going to be a quality evening. And can you fill us in a, in a couple of the bands that are playing? Or, you know, not everyone might be clued up on the the local music scene. A couple that you can talk to us about. Yeah, for sure. So the local music scene stuff. We've got the Barretts, Phantom Isle, Stereo Ghosts, um, Bolter, Viddy, Rat Race. That are all like proper in the local scene. They play around town every couple of weeks, sort of thing. They're really, really deep in it. Um, and then we've got, you know, we're bringing bands in from all over the shop. We've got the Claws coming down from Birmingham, the Motive and the Motive are coming up from London. Lee Objective for making their way, making their way down from Leeds. You know, it's it's just going to be it, the bands that we've picked are like they're, they're carefully handpicked. Do you know what I mean? They are yeah. bands that we listen to all the time. And the headliners, yeah. the headliners now like Second Thoughts are going to be playing in the lab, which is a hundred person venue. Like Second Thoughts, we literally saw Second Thoughts a couple of weeks ago at Truck Festival in Oxfordshire to like 1,200 people. And you think they're going to be in a 100-cap venue in the centre of town. You just can't. It's going to be, it's just quality stuff. And Coversets, the other, one of the other headliners that are are coming down, the actual lead singer is from Northampton. So they live in Manchester now, but he's from Northampton. So it's a bit of a homecoming for him. That's really, that's really, really nice, isn't it? I think it's just, uh, it's a good way of just dipping your foot in the scene and stuff without having too much brain ache. Just go and just listen to a couple of bands, wander between the venues, and just um, see what you can find. But your podcast is going pretty well too, isn't it? You've picking up some bigger bands. Was it um, the, who was it? The Kooks or someone you were interviewing the other day? Someone? Yeah, we had we had the the Kooks episode went out on Tuesday this this week. Um, so that's our like most current episode. Last week we did, uh, we had Jack Mate on, um, who's a big podcaster in the UK. He's a big social media influencer sort of thing. And yeah, man, it's going, it's going really well. It's really well. Like we've had some really good recognition from Spotify and, you know, we sat in, um, we were top 10 in music podcasts on Spotify. So that was, that was one of them ones where we, it came through this week and we were sitting in them sort of thing, in that sort of number. And we were like, wow, what a, what a week to be having. Do you know what I mean? Like we're putting on our first festival, top 10 po- music podcast in the UK. You can't moan. Exactly. And I just think it's one of these events on Saturday, the town takeover that, you know, if you're maybe if you're, you know, starting out in live music or you're a bit of a live music veteran, I think it's good just to support people like yourselves that are doing something in Northampton. You could have taken this show anywhere, but you're doing it in the town centre, yeah. right on our doorsteps. The least we can do is just pay 15 quid, go out and have a good night. So hopefully the Northampton fans listening yeah. will um, support it. You'll see a few cobblers there, so that'll be good. For sure, for sure. It's going to be good fun. And I know that, that like a lot of people won't necessarily know the bands that are on the list, but there will be bands that you will have heard of or have been in the realm of like listening to the radio and stuff like that. So it's just kind of worth coming down and having a little look and you might find your, you might find your next favourite band. All of these bands are unbelievably talented. So it's like, 
we've got them. We've got them in for reasons. So you've got people who just got to trust us. They've got to trust us on this one for sure. Exactly, and we've had plenty of good bands that have come through Northampton on their way to success over the years. I'm pretty sure you too played Northampton back in the day, and like various exactly. So you know, like you said, you never know which is going to be the next big one. So just go and check them out. Yeah, so the important bit is how to buy tickets for the event. It's on Saturday the 24th, town takeover in the town centre, the Lab, the Black Prince and the Albion Brewery, so all within walking distance. Um, how do we get tickets, mate? The best way to get tickets is on tsrp.co.uk. If you click the buy tickets section, it'll take you straight down to the event. And then if you, when you start putting stuff in your basket, you go to pay, um, it'll then come up with, do you have a promotion code? Put in shoe army TT and you get 20% off. It'll lower your ticket price from 20 quid down to 15. That's brilliant. And what I will do, as always, we'll put the links to um, buying some tickets to make it a little bit easier as well. But um, listen, mate, thanks for talking to me and we'll see you Saturday. Yeah, definitely. See you Saturday, mate. It's going to be a good day. Cheers, mate. What a load of couplers. Let's move on to Stockport. The game on Saturday kicks off at two o'clock for anyone that's going to usually gets caught out. I've been caught myself on a couple of occasions before. The Saints, I think, are playing at Le- against Leicester, local derby, so it's going to be pretty heavy traffic. Uh, yeah, so Stockport, as you will hear from our segment with the Stockport fan, not pulling over any trees, but spent quite a lot of money, quite a highly financed side, obviously got Fraser Horsfall, so they could potentially do us some damage. But um, Martin, again, one of those games we have to go in with confidence. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I mean, I, I was on their podcast last night and I, I did predict 3-0 to us. And they were pre- they they were pretty pessimistic. It reminds me, because they have they spent some money. Um, if anyone's old enough. And yeah, so so I remember the cobblers on Mark, Mike Wilkinson brought some star players in. I remember having a beer with Tony Clark at the Labour Club and he gave me the heads up that that Martin Smith was coming in and I was like I rang the bookies I ran back 365 and said what odds you got Northampton to win the league and the bloke laughed and said don't get half that too often (laughs) and he gave me 50s well I'll tell you what by the time Richard Hill was in charge I think Oxford we were 3-0 down after 20 minutes it was like this season was going well (laughs) but they have spent money and it's not clicking yet and they've got a, a really tough run of fixtures we're on a roll. We're doing really well. They are still finding themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think this will be this will be similar to the Rochdale game. I re- every time recently, it's like I will win three one x one or x two. It's like finally we seem to have got ourselves our ducks in a row defensively, and the keeper we know is good. So it's, it's going to be something. To I think a little two nil, three nil cobblers. That sounds good. I'd like to hear you confident, Martin. That sounds pretty good. Obviously, like I said, to start off with, they could damage us at a certain point, so let's not count our chickens, but, you know, we've got to be confident. James, are you, like, likewise confident? I think we're, we're, I'm always confident when we're at home, to be honest. Um, our record of six fields under Brady must be pretty good, mustn't it? I can't remember too many home defeats. Um yeah, they've obviously started poorly, but I think they're they're going to pick up. You would you would think they've got too many good players not to. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to the Guthrie versus Horsefall battle in the boxes because I presume the two are going to be marking each other as kind of the biggest threats from set yeah. pieces, so to speak. So uh, to see them two uh, do battle after last year is going to be. Uh, 
really interesting kind of personal battle, isn't it? So yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm I'm always confident with us. We can beat anyone on our day. Um, they're not in particularly good form. It's been a bit of a pattern in the last couple of games where we've been slow starting, haven't we? In the in the first kind of fifteen minutes uh, against both Barrow and Stockport, so you wouldn't bet against that happening again. You know, a team coming here, you know, wanting to kind of have a really good kind of quick fast start against us, but then us really getting to grips with the game and bringing it under control, getting Mark Leonard in, bossing it in the middle. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see it follow a similar pattern. Uh, to be honest, so yeah, I'm. I'm confident. That's not to dismiss, you know, uh, Stockport because, like I said, they've brought in some very good players. I fully expect them to kind of climb up that table, but I just think we're in a good place at the moment. They're probably not, and I think that should probably just see us over the line. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that too. I think it's one of those games where, like mine said, if they come at us pretty quickly, like Rochdale, Rochdale got themselves punched out. I think so. That doesn't necessarily work, especially if you've got people like Leonard to boss the game. I'm going to go. I'm just going to go two-one because I think that's a pretty uh, solid one. I don't think we're completely safe at the back. We could concede, but I'm going to go two-one. What about you, Max? Um, it's a difficult one because uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't rate the Stockport manager Dave Challenor. I, I understand the hype around, you know, the fact that they've come up from the National League. You know, they pretty much romp the title and then you know, obviously they're backing them for back-to-back promotions. But it's easy to look at that and think, yeah, that could happen. But when you look at Dave Challoner in League Two, he's not really done as well as a manager. Uh, he's always kind of struggled with the, like, to adapt. Uh, he took Hartlepool up by the playoffs. And then I think by about October, start of November, they ended up sacking him because of the poor start. So, again... Um, like, but Max... Max, to be fair, could you not do them long throws to the bench? <laughs> yeah, those long throws <laughs> he's famous for. I remember those. Yeah, so it's kind of like, how do you how do you see it? It's you look at their squad, and again, like Martin and James have said, they've invested quite heavily. They've got some great players who arguably shouldn't even be at this level. Uh, you know, Anthony Sarsovic, who oh, I I really love as a as a football player. He's quality. Um, He'll cause us a few issues. And they've even went out and bought the, I think it was a National League's top goal scorer last season, Kyle Wooten, uh, who's a former Scunthorpe player who, who never got a chance there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very easy to look at them and say, yes, they're going to you know be up there. But I don't think, I don't know. I'm not sure about them personally. I think on squad, they've got the paper, that you know they've got the credentials, but not entirely sure about the manager. But I'm going to go with a 3-1 win, personally. I, I, I can't see them causing too much issues. Based okay. on based on their start to the season, this is almost entirely uh, you know positive. So we know what's going to happen now. One nil, one nil in the last minute to uh, Stockport. But you know we'll, we'll take it as it comes. It should be a good day at Sixfields. I think the weather's going to be touch wood. Okay, two o'clock kickoff. Good sort of uh, football league tussle. And um, I'll see you all up there. Have a good uh, next couple of days. And I'll see you up there. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.